What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We'll have Tales from the Hood coming up at 8.30. But you know, at 8 o'clock every night, you know how we do this, right? 8 o'clock every night, I give you something college, give you something pro, give you something fantasy. Whatever it is, it's about football. And it is the summer of football. The summer of football. All you can ask for is another opportunity to play this game. It burns in me. On ESPN 1000. We don't know how many we got. I don't know how many I got. Make it count, boys. Mahomes. Flushed out again, turning the corner, fires downfield, caught, touchdown, only Mahomes. You throw to score, you run to win. Here's Saquon Barkley, and he's off to the races, the 30, the 20, Saquon for six. The summer of football at eight. Here's a quick throw to Miller, good throw, touchdown. Fake to Armstrong, run, book five. Got time, launching for the end zone, jumper, touchdown, Terrence Marshall. The Summer of Football with Jonathan Hood. Yeah, that's my dog. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The Summer of Football right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan Hood with you. Every night, 8 o'clock, we give you something football, and tonight... We talked to friend of the program, Chicago Zone, Chris Childers. The show pony joins us from Full Ride on ESPN U Radio on Sirius XM. And Chris joins me here on ESPN 1000. Show pony, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. What's up, man? It's good to be back on. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Listen, um, I've been saying over the last week plus, it's like, you know, I didn't know college athletes could say no. And. It is interesting to watch now. This is something when you and I were watching college football, you know like that usually in a lot of the uh, schools that you cover on a daily basis, Chris, that the some in some states the most powerful guy is a college football coach. And to see a coalition of student-athletes uh, in the Big Ten, Pac-12, and others that are saying no, it's interesting. What, what's your initial reaction when you saw this in the Players' Tribune where players are coming together and say, no, uh, you know, our health is important? Uh, I think it's a powerful pushback, what we're seeing today from all the players saying that they want to play and they want to be a part of college football. I mean, it's been kind of wild because we've seen players, like you said, that have taken themselves out of college football. Rashad Bateman took himself out. Rondale Moore from Purdue, who's a stud, took himself out. Uh, Micah Parsons, best linebacker maybe in the Big Ten, took himself out of Penn State. So a lot of guys are like, I don't want to go through with this. I don't want to be a part of it. It's just not for me. I don't want to do, I want to get ready for the NFL. And then you got people like Trevor Lawrence, who to me is the very likely number one draft pick in, in April, saying, dude, this is my last year in college. I want to play. Nick Saban today said the kids are safer here. Jim Harbaugh 
laid out all this data. I mean, he was, you know, he was stating what he believes to be facts, saying we need to do this. Like, we can handle this. We can control it. Can they? I have no freaking idea if they can or if they can't. Uh, but it seems like there's a lot of coaches. Ryan Day today says we are in a fight. We're not going to let, you know, we're not going to go down without a fight at this point. It seemed like this morning we were dying a painful death. It seemed like when the Big Ten, all the, all the stuff was out there, I think Dan Patrick was the one who said the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were going to shut doors. When that was out there, and it was like, okay, what's going on? Now the Big Ten's kind of backtracked a little bit. They said they haven't voted yet. We've heard nothing from the Big Ten, or the Pac-12, rather. There's been a ton of fight back from coaches and players. It's just chaos. Like, I envy you. How amazing is it to be able to talk about baseball? You have the Cubs and White Sox. I'm pissed right now. The Sox are down 2 out of the Tiger. Two oh, they've got to run. Nice. Yeah. I have it on in the background. Um, but it's like I, I'm so envious of people like you right now. You have baseball to talk about. The Blackhawks just beat the uh, Oilers in the qualifying series. Now they got Vegas. Jay Hood, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. The MAC pulled out. The Mountain West pulled out. It seemed to me like it was like very likely we weren't going to play. Now you see all this pushback. The president came out and said, we need to play college football. I mean, it is, dude, it is the weirdest thing ever. Like, I never in my life thought, as a sports talk radio host, that I'd be wondering if I'd have a season to call. Or to, not to call, but to talk about and analyze. And right now, because I talk college sports every day, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I was already begging bosses yesterday. Like, if we don't play, can I talk on the NFL channel? Can I do something in NASCAR? I mean, like, whatever the hell it is you need, I will do it because I just don't know where we're going with this college stuff. So tell me, does it look like this to you? Does it look like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 versus the SEC, ACC, and Big 12? You know that the South was going to balk at this anyway, right, Chris? Like they were going to be like the last ones. If they're going to say no, they'd be the last ones because it's the South. And and not saying it, it means more, but it means more to a lot of those fans and those schools, does it not? It does, and that's where I live. So I'm located in the Nashville. So I'm located mm-hmm. right smack dab in the middle of SEC country. And first of all, like, so I visited my parents back on uh, the 4th of July. They live in Vernon Hills, right? So right in the Chicagoland area. And I went to go visit them, and everybody was following protocol. Everybody had a mask on. Everybody was doing their thing. And it made me feel comfortable. In the South, up until, like, a couple weeks ago, because the uh, mayor of Nashville finally mandated it, people were walking around like nothing was happening. So it's just, like, a different mentality. Most people, and it bothers me to the end of the earth, and I obviously don't want to get political, just wear a damn mask, but um, they don't want to. And so because of it, it's just like press on as normal. The SEC makes a ton of money. The TV revenue is upwards of $45 million per year. They're in a part of the country where, like you said it, I mean, you know, I grew up in Chicagoland, right? So I grew up with the Bears being king and the Cubs being king and – the Bulls when I was a kid being king. And I mean, that's the stuff that you guys talk about a lot. I'm sure that, you know, moves the ratings that people care about in Chicagoland, in the South, especially like in Alabama. I, it would be amazing if you ever listened to, if any of your listeners ever listened like for a day to WJOX radio, which is <laughs> right. Jocks, which is the big one in Birmingham and yeah. just listen to it. And it's, they don't even know what pro sports are. They don't care. It's all about Alabama and Auburn. It's really kind of amazing. So 
Um, it's, it, it is, it matters a lot. I mean, the state of Mississippi, that's all you got is Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and everybody was fired up about Lane Kiffin coming to Oxford and, and Mike Leach, who I've worked with before in the past, who is as bizarre as you think. Uh, he's now in Starkville, Mississippi. So, yeah, I mean, I really, but I think Greg Sankey's the guy. Like, he's a guy that I know well. I work uh, Sirius XM SEC radio in the afternoon. It's my second show that I do. So I know the SEC intimately and the people that are involved. If there's one leader that I trust right now to get it right, it's Greg Sankey. I really believe that. Like, if Greg Sankey ran for president tomorrow, I'd campaign for the guy. I don't even give a crap if it said RD next to his name. I don't care. Like, the, he's so well thought out that I know he would do what's ever in the best interest of whoever he was representing. And I think he does that every single day with the SEC. I'm not sure Kevin Warren is having the greatest first appearance in front of the world as a commissioner. I mean, the Big Ten looks very scattered. It looked like today they wanted to cancel, and there was pushback, and now it's kind of what's going to happen. And there's been a lot of criticism for Kevin Warren because of that. Uh, I don't know what the Big Ten is going to look like moving forward, but it's just it's it's wild right now. But yeah, uh, if there's one league that I knew that was just going to kind of fight and hang on and scratch and claw and not be denied a season, and they might ultimately, but the one that's not going to force and panic and push the issue, it's definitely going to be the SEC. So it sounds like as we talked to Chris Childers from Full Ride on Sirius XM's ESPNU Radio on the Summer of Football with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So it sounds like, you know, so goes thank you, so goes college football because the Pac-12 is just a weak little sister that is just going to follow along whatever the Big Ten says, whatever, because they it, it's, it's so tied into their network and just how down that, that uh, conference is. USC is down, so that means the Pac-12 is down and Oregon's down uh, as far as uh, national appeal. Um, so, so I'm thinking that whatever Sankey says, then the others will acquiesce, right? Maybe, yeah. I mean, the Pac-12 is its own weird thing. I mean, you're right; they are, they're really the, the 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 group of they're not the group of five, the Power Five league that has the least big stick. They're not powerful. They haven't made the playoffs since uh, who was it? Oregon, I think. Marcus Mariota, which has been a while. I mean, Mariota's already gone from the Titans. Like, you know, like it, it's. It's just, it is what it is. So the Pac-12 hasn't been relevant in quite a while. Do I think that they could still cancel? I do. Do I think they want to? Because if everybody else plays, the rosters, the good players are good poached. That's obviously a massive concern. Um, but I'm pretty sure, like, the programs in L.A. And, and I think throughout California can't even practice. Like, there's some issues with them convening in numbers. And I don't know. I, I'm not sure the specifics but like if you can't practice you can't play like there's so i think the pac-12 has some real issues when it comes to uh that being able to happen so i don't think they're that big of a player the big 10 is a huge player i mean the pac-12 who gives a crap but the big 10 is the most i mean right now as we stand the big 10 is the number one most profitable profitable league the sec might be like the most popular and and the sec will be the most profitable again soon when their new TV deal uh, gets negotiated, but because of the one the Big Ten just negotiated and signed, they jump uh, leapfrog the SEC, and I think they're making around $50 million per school per year when you add up all the tiers. When you look at Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, that's big. And to sacrifice that, I think it was Barry Alvarez that said it was going to be you know, somewhere around 120 to 150 total in revenue 
when you add up the TV money, when you add up uh, the fans, and I mean all the things that you put together that comes to what you would end up uh, pocketing during a college football season. If you lose that, the numbers are pretty damn significant. So the Big Ten thing to me is huge. What they do, I don't know. I think they're pushing like heck to move it further down the road. I think that's kind of the consensus right now. All we've done in in, in college football and on my show, Full Ride on ESPN U Radio, um, I think we've used the words kick the can down the road more than any other phrase we've ever used ever because that's all people do. I think the Big Ten essentially because everybody panicked today and everybody fought back, I think what they'll do is just kick the can down the road a little bit more. And they're not going to cancel, they'll postpone, they'll hope, they'll pray, fingers crossed, they can get this in safely. Um, and if they can't, they'll likely kick the can down the road a little bit further. You know, it's interesting to me, uh, Jay Hood, I'm really curious what the truth is, though. With the cancellation, I, honestly, and, I, and I, I wonder if you've thought about this, because everybody's looking at this like it's black and white, like it's about coronavirus and health, right? Mm-hmm. But... Honestly, man, and look at the leagues in question here, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and look who's trying to persevere. Who are the two leagues, Jay Hood, that have players trying to unionize right now? The Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Sure. They might, and and they have leverage because of something called COVID-19. Sure. These leagues, Jonathan, might be in a position where they're not ready to handle it. And if they can see to all this stuff, it might put them in a really bad position long term. So they might be just using health and safety. I'm serious. They might be using health and safety as a veil in order to try to deal with this. Hit the reset button. Try to figure this out and not panic. I I mean, you would hope not. But at the same time, I could see that being a real reason because of what we've seen with with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 players, you know, trying to unionize and ask for things and having the leverage of not playing. It might be why, even with the money that's at stake, if you think about it, it might be why they're trying to hit pause right now. Chris Childers, the show pony from Full Ride on ESPNU Radio and Sirius XM with me, Jonathan Hood, for the Summer of Football on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So lastly, and I appreciate your time, I want to get your thoughts about the Bears because... Uh, whatever happens with this NFL season, I have no idea what this looks like. I don't, I don't know if fans are going to be go, going to Soldier Field. I know that the Packers said their first couple of games, no fans are allowed at Lambeau Field. So I don't know what that looks like. But here's what I do know. I do know that, in my opinion, that Trubisky is going to start the season. Even though Foles is in and he's a great uh, you know, guy that comes out of the bullpen, comes out of off the bench and, and really flourishes. Chris, I think that Trubisky is going to start. And I, I just don't, still don't see enough weapons around Allen Robinson or Montgomery running the football for the Bears to get be better than Minnesota or Green Bay. Your thoughts? Sir? I'm with you. I'm with you 100. percent And I've look. I said this from day one. The second they drafted Mitch Trubisky, the second they moved up to get Mitchell Trubisky, I, I could not scream loud enough. Any Chicago sports talk radio show that would have me before. Um, that draft, I was I kept saying Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson. You might like him, you might not, but that was my guy. I was like, what else do you need to see? The guy literally tore Alabama, who's got an NFL personnel defense, twice. Nobody does it. He did it twice. What else do you need to see? Mitchell Trubisky is just another one of those guys that has all the looks, but when he comes between the lines, what really is he? And I'm with you. I mean, he needs more help. Allen Robinson's a fantastic one-wide receiver. 
But when you look at the other guys like, you know, Miller and Ginn and David Montgomery and the offensive line, what did the off- what did the offense average last year? Like maybe eighteen points a game, That's seventeen, yeah, points, 17 a game. points a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was brutal, right? I I'm I've never been a Trubisky guy, and it sucks because you look at the defense and you look at Cleo Mack and you salivate. And obviously, there's there's star power on that side. I've never believed in Trubisky. I thought it was a disaster. Like, I, honestly, Jay Hood, when they picked him, I thought it was a Kane McDown pick. I really did. Like, that's what I thought in my head. And, and that, to me, was the worst draft pick in the history of Chicago Bears football, at least in my life, was Kane McDown. And the way, you know, not only couldn't he, not, not only couldn't he play, he was a punk. He was a problem in the, uh, in the locker room. He was, wasn't it true that before the um, Lions game, it was like around Christmas Eve, didn't the team, like, protest and not yeah. play because of Kane McDown and they wanted to play for Shane Matthews because he was that much? of a problem like to me i don't know if trubisky's that but to me he's that much of a waste of a pick yeah that makes sense to me this well this will tell the story this upcoming season he'll tell the story because i think he's going to start and he has to fail in the job in order for Foles to see the field i I, they're trying to they're trying to make it here like there's like a real competition i love you know Nagy is as honest as he can be but I don't think that that's a real competition. That's not what that is. They want Mitch to succeed because Ryan uh-huh. Pace wants to prove that he's right. That's what it, that's what it comes down to. And the the pick is, all intents and purposes, it's going to be a bust here. It just because and and maybe a lot of it is some of it's not on Mitch. Some of it's about the personnel. I, don't, I have no idea what Komet is. I think Komet eventually is going to be good, but he's going to have an offense yeah. around him, so we can give him the ball. So it just, it, it's a lot of but how, uh, issues how many here. times and how many GMs can this happen? I mean, in our lifetime, I've been listening to you for a long time, right? And I know you've talked about the Bears for a long, long time. Yeah. How many years, how many different GMs, how many different times can this happen with a bad ticket quarterback that always sets the franchise back? I mean, <laughs> remember, in my well, lifetime. Chris, hey, Chris, remember. The best quarterback, Eric Kramer? What? Well, Chris, I remember I started my career when the Bears didn't have a GM. Yeah. They, they, they had Rod Graves as a player personnel person. They didn't have the, Angelo was the first guy that was an actual GM in the franchise history. I, I know. <laughs> so, Isn't that wild? So, I told Eric, we're a crazy. Eric, we're, a, we're a wild franchise, man. So much history and so much dysfunction all at once. Eric, remember I told you uh, told you that like even for your lifetime, I said, hey, you know, there wasn't a general manager before Jerry Angelo, and that was like 2000, right? I didn't realize it when you told me that, not surprised that that Bears organizations think that they, they could function without someone whose specific job is that. <laughs> like, like a GM, you know, someone I mean, who's generally managing the team. They really didn't function. Like, honest to goodness, since McMahon, and McMahon to me was like, okay, he was above average, but he obviously had a lot of help around him. I mean, Willie Gall, the best running back of all time, sweetness. I mean, there was a lot of help. Since him, is Eric Kramer the best quarterback of our life? Honestly. Yeah, for that one year, he was terrific. He was tremendous, actually. And has anybody been tremendous at all? No, not like like, To me, we got to the Super Bowl in spite of Rex Grossman that year. Uh, Cutler is Cutler. You know, he's Cutler. I think that's the best way to say it. Like, in my lifetime, somebody asked me, like, if I have a conversation someday – with a Packer fan, and I hate them so much because they they have so much like bravado in their in their in their being. Because of the fact that like in my lifetime, they've pretty much had Mikowski, Favre, and Rogers, yep. and we've gone through like guys like Moses Moreno and Steve Walsh, and it's just like oh, like when Eric Kramer is the best that can throw in their face, I want to cry. 
Don't cry, show pony. I'm glad you I spent might. some time with me, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show, as always. Anytime. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. It is uh, Chris Childers, Chicago Zone, from the Full Ride on SiriusXM ESPN U Radio. I don't think he feels good after that. I think he went down. He was on a downer after that. He was not happy, Eric. <laughs> like talking about those old bad quarterbacks from the Bears. Yeah, that's what. That's the history. That's what it is. Uh, Tales from the Hood coming up at, at eight thirty. Is we've got stories from Chicago land and elsewhere as we keep you company here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood. Listen to me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. I'm a sucker for a good guitar, a good guitar rift. <laughs> Jonathan Hood with you on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. How about the Blackhawks? Just want to just give them a shout out here. And you can hear the hockey show every Saturday at 9 a.m. right here on ESPN 1000. If you're a hockey fan, you're driving around or just getting up on Saturday, check out Brian Hanley and uh, Pat Boyle with the hockey show. Um, it. it <laughs> You know, you just look for something positive. You look for something. If there's going to be a restart for either the NBA, of course the Bulls are not in it, but the NBA or NHL, you just want something positive for your team. And so <laughs> the Blackhawks had less than a 5% chance of making the playoffs. And look at what has happened here. So the ebb and flow of the season before COVID-19 was, oh, this is going to be a rebuilding situation for the Chicago Blackhawks. Like you're going to build around Taves and Kane and you got to find a younger goaltender. Like there's no way that Crawford can be that guy on a restart. And so it's just, it is really interesting how things have worked out for the Hawks. One of the biggest things with this uh, 24 team format for the NHL is for the Blackhawks to take on the Oilers. And then uh, it, it was a 47% odds for the Hawks to even beat the Edmonton Oilers, and they did it. And what we're seeing here, when I'm watching the Hawks in this last series, it had shades of the championship years, where you expect the unexpected, where you score, you're scoring goals quickly. I, I gotta be honest, I'm really happy to be able to see this. Now, I have no idea what this looks like with the Vegas Golden Knights against the Hawks, but at least for the time being, is giving us something extra to watch in for Chicago sports. Yeah, it's Cubs and Sox, but the Hawks are also doing their thing. And so even for a few more games, it'll just it's interesting to see a Hawks team showing resolve. And, and again, it's in Edmonton. It's in Rogers, uh, the Rogers Arena where Edmonton plays, and they won. That's kind of cool. I think that's cool. Ed Olchek got a chance to um, talk to Waddle and Sylvie about this and makes a case for the Hawks and how they can make a deep playoff run. Well, the goalie first off, Tommy, uh, Corey Crawford, uh, in that game four, um, when they were able to eliminate the Edmonton Oilers, who were flat-out awful uh, defensively in that series, um, Corey Crawford was able to stand tall in, in the last two periods of that game. I mean, for, for the great Blackhawk fans and hockey fans, that watched that game. Uh, I mean, Kroll was super. I mean, he was just super good. I mean, he was sharp. He was making the saves at key times to to give themselves, you know, the Hawks an opportunity to 
you know, to finish him off. And so for me, the goaltending, for sure. And again, look at, I mean, it's well documented. Corey had the virus. Uh, he didn't see a lot of ice time since the pause, but everybody said that if anybody could do it, it could be Corey Crawford. And he has proven that without uh, any hesitation. Getting a contribution offensively from Jonathan Taves has been just, uh, it's been a huge lift. Uh, Johnny has found a second win here since the pause, uh, putting the puck in the back of the net, going head-to-head against Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. You know, that line won them game one, and then, you know, the line went pretty quiet for the next couple of games, but then they were able to set up the game-winning goal with a beautiful shot there from Kubalik. So, and they're getting contributions from the back end too, Tommy. I mean, this that was a total team effort. It really was. Now, look, at the Hawks had their moments. I think they showed at times that, and even in the last two periods of game four, you know they're they're not great defensively, right? Like they're they're not going to win by being a you know they're not going to win two one games. That that's just not going to happen. Right? Um, they may win one in a seven game series, two to one, because Crow you know is off the charts. But you know getting contributions offensively from their defensemen. So I think all in all, I think it was just a total team effort. And and oh by the way, you won a series to get to the playoffs uh, without. Uh, Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinket, really, you're two, in my opinion, you're two, you know, your top two goal getters. And I know Kubalik had the terrific first year and what have you, but, you know, those guys you expect are going to get on the board and, and put the puck in the back of the net. So lots of positives, but look, they're going to they're going to face a team now that is not only going to bring the offense that Edmonton bring, but uh, they can also defend and, and they got a couple of pretty good goaltenders as well. Go. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow us on the gram at Hood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What do you got there? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. Oh, Eric. You see Abreu limping as he went down the first baseline? Yeah, he's like holding his hip, too, which is the last thing you want to see. Ah, this is... uh, Oh, he, like, extended weird for first base and landed hard. So that is a way to jam your hip up. Oh. He had the long stride. He was trying to avoid the tag from Candelario over at first base. And you can see him, you know, writhing in pain. Now he's, like, limping back to the dugout. But it's like, oh, God. That's all the Sox need, more injuries, right? They've just had so many. This season is going to be who can be disciplined and who can be healthy. That's it. He's over there in pain right now. He's being tended to. So, like, Bummer on the I.L., Lopez, Rodon, Tim Anderson, uh, Edwin Encarnacion. I mean. It keeps going. So, people saw the lineup today. Luis Robert was just getting a day's rest. He's not hurt. He's played eight straight days. So, they gave him a day off. Should have played today. Agreed. This offense is struggling again. He's a pup, man. Put him out there. Exactly. He's nice. Like, let him run. He's 21. I had no idea the Sox offense would struggle so badly. It just, gosh almighty. I understand that they've had some injuries here, Eric, but the point is 
is that you would think that the offense would be more potent than this. The Cleveland series, I somewhat get. The amazing stat about that Cleveland staff is they're yet to give up more than four runs. They haven't given up five yet, so I got that one being a slog. Again, they face Plesak and Bieber, who have been two of the better pitchers so far in the start. But it's been about a week and a half. Eloy has, has had an awful week at the plate, so like, and in the outfield for that matter. So it's just... They they need to turn it around in order to make any storm. They're what? Because Detroit's being surprised, like been really surprised. So they're like fourth in the division, I think, right now. Gosh, this is just amazing. All right. Well, um, so you got to tell people what your what your commute is going to be like leaving because you're downtown. What was it like coming in, and what what do you got to deal with? You know, leaving tonight. So coming in was fine because. As of like, well, last night they put all the bridges to come down into the loop. They like built them up so you can't come in. But as, when I came in this afternoon, they were all down for me to enter. But starting, actually, it started at 8 o'clock. So 38 minutes ago, they lift all the bridges up but one. So it'll be a dead city and I'll have to drive out. So what, this is the second time we've been on this curfew in, since COVID started. And a, a moment like I feel like I'll never, ever forget was... It was the first Monday of the first time we had the curfew, and I worked late, so it was like 11 o'clock or so. I was getting out, and I get out, and all the buildings were boarded up because of what happened in the weekend. So all the buildings boarded up. I didn't see another person or another car until I got onto the highway. So dead silent in this big city, and the only thing I could hear is when the bridges are up in the city— it's like when a train's coming, you hear the ding, 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 ding. Yeah. So all the bridges were up except one. And just the dinging of that was just bouncing off this silent city. And all I, all I saw was boarded up windows and then dingings just echoing off the skyscrapers. It was so eerie. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what I'm going to be walking out to tonight, too. Man, it's just it's something. I talked about it earlier. Just, you know, it's just I, I can't say that I'm surprised what I am is I'm just very disappointed because the reason why I can't be surprised is because we've always seen this, right? Yeah. So, so it just, it's just so it's disappointing. It's sad. And there's a lot of answers that need to be, um, for on, on whether it comes from young people or, um, whether it comes from police, there's gotta be a lot of questions that are answered and it's just gotta get better. I know the hashtagging is just not enough anymore. Like it's, no, it's just not. people people putting a post up on social media just doesn't do it. There needs to be reform in some sort to change all this. My cousin said that there are, are some people that are selling some of those items that were stolen. Not surprised that they're selling them on Facebook. I hope that that can they all get found and caught. Yeah, yeah. Because come on, come on. Like that was the difference between what happened last night versus what was happening. In the beginning, during like right around the George Floyd murder and all that, is there was no protest last night. Mm-mm. This was just a bunch of people hopping in their cars and going down to the loop to cause a problem. So that and that's the main difference. Is is I don't want people to relate this to the protest at all. No, I want to make sure that's also clear that this is nothing. To, and even with the the young man who again allegedly was shooting at the police. Um, and, you know, that's not the reason why that they were looting either. No, I mean, you can you can use that as an excuse, but that's not the reason why that that happened. Uh, there's issues with um, the police and citizens across the city or across the state, right? Um, but but 
that's not why that happened. I don't believe last night. Um, so it just it's really disappointing. Very sad. Yeah, and like this, the loop down here. I know you haven't been down here in a long time. He's Mm-mm. been connecting from home. Um, the loop for like when all that stuff first happened, all those buildings got like all the windows and everything got broken. It all got boarded up. And I'd say in the last like month or so, all there's glass companies out and all, like we've been getting all the glass replaced and we're starting to see buildings again. And then today when I come down here, everything rebroken and reboarded up. So it was like we were turning a corner and then we just went right back. Yeah, I just, <laughs> this is really sad. It really is. Um, very disappointing. You know, there is a difference, Eric, between protesters, rioters and opportunists, right? Protesters show up to provoke change. Rioters they show up to express anger. Opportunists show up and to loot and take advantage of the discord. Now, there's also another category, and that's agitators. They show up to push a nefarious agenda that opposes the cause that they have infiltrated, most often to stir up unrest in those who remain neutral in the cause. It's not, it's not the same goals. It's not the same groups. It's just not. It's different. You're right. Those people, those different factions of people are going out into the streets for completely different reasons. Every single one of those different people have different motivations and goals for why they're going out. Some for for a good cause, some, like you said, just just to stir things up. Yeah. Um, One other thing. uh, Here's something that's um, maybe insignificant as we talk about this, but it's just uh, something that we want to pass along about uh, on ESPN.com, ranking all 32 NFL teams by their under 25 talent for 2020. So you sent me this from Scott Spratt. Scott Spratt from ESPN.com. Ranking all 32 NFL teams by their under 25 talent on 2020. So you know the Ravens are going to be number one because they got Lamar Jackson. They've got Marlon Humphrey. Uh, They've got... um, Hollywood Brown. Brown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mark, Mark Andrews at the tight end. So, of course... Ravens won. Giants are second because of Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones, a quarterback. Number three on here is Arizona because of Kyler Murray. Uh, number four, the Bills with Josh Allen and Oliver at defensive tackle. And uh, Tremaine Edmonds, the middle linebacker. Five, the 49ers with are just stacked. Bosa, Warner, Debo Samuel. You know, I mean, it's just it, it's endless because the 49ers are that team, that young team for the next five years. Their windows open to be able to win the Super Bowl. It's incredible that they're fifth on this list and they went to the Super Bowl last year. They're that young and talented. Yeah. Steelers are six. Jaguars are seventh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Browns are eighth. OK, we'll see. Texans are ninth with Deshaun Watson. Tenth is Patrick Mahomes. OK. So I'm looking for the Bears. <laughs> that blue chip young talent. Where is it, Eric? Get that scroll wheel working. Yeah, right, oh, keep scroll, going. Okay. Uh, Washington Dolphins at 12. Bengals. Jets. Titans at 15. Okay. Raiders, 16. Colts, 17. Panthers, 18. Broncos, 19. Buccaneers, 20. As your top 20 right there. Saints, 21. Packers, 22. Packers with Jordan Love, of course, with Alexander, the corner, uh, Kenny Clark, the defensive tackle. The Chargers are 23rd, still scrolling. Uh, Cowboys, 24. Seahawks, 25. Lions, 26. With Akuda and Ragnow. That's all they have as far as blue chip players. And he gets the Bears at 27. Blue chip players, Roquan Smith and James Daniels. Notable graduated players, 
is Tariq Cohen, Anthony Miller, Rashad Coward, and Adam Shaheen, who's no longer with the team. Yeah, not right? so notable, really. <laughs> not even with the team. <laughs> That's not good. No, That's and not good. It, it's yet another one of these lists that come out in the offseason that are based around your roster building and what your GM does. And yet again, they're in the bottom four, bottom five. Like, again, all these lists, they are, are near the bottom five, bottom three, and all these. Yet there's people out in the streets screaming that Ryan Pace is doing a hell of a job. <laughs> I know. I think I know which streets you're talking about there. Yeah. <laughs> some, of, some of them are on State and Lake. Yep. <laughs> happen to be at the corner. Falcons are 32nd on this list, if you're wondering. Like, Patriots are 31. The Vikings are 30th. Eh, Vikings are 30th, okay? All they have is Brian O'Neill as far as their blue-chip players. Uh, but there's a veteran-laden team, just like the Eagles, veteran-laden team. But the Bears are right there, 27th. <laughs> now, you think if you're 27th on this list that you're, that you're ready to win, right? Because you got veteran players ready to get it done. But you just you don't, actually. God, don't. It just, it's just how many drafts has he missed on? That, that's all that shows is they don't have... And the graduated players, Tariq Cohen, underwhelmed. Anthony Miller, still don't know if we can rely on him. Rashard Coward, I, I, he's on the roster still, I believe. And then Adam Sheen. So like those are, those, that's the young core. Those seven players with Rokon and James Daniels. The young core are a bunch of players who will, wouldn't be on a lot of rosters. That, my friends, is Tales from the Hood. A, a very upbeat Tales from the <laughs> Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000. I mean, that's, listen, if nothing else, this show has given you the truth. And that is the truth. Like, this is a, a prove it to us year. Prove it to us. 12 and 4 to 8 and 8. And now you see, all, we've talked about this all summer. All these lists that have the Bears t- toward the bottom or at the bottom when it comes to its offensive talent or just its overall makeup when it comes to um, their roster composition. So, how does it get better? It's one thing to just click your heels and say, oh, yeah, they're going to be better this year. You have no idea. I have no idea. Until we actually see it on the field. What does it look like? Fans or no fans, how does the offense get better? That's the thing. And and a lot of it's predicated on not just their competition, who they're going to face, but even in the division. You definitely give the nod to the Packers and the Vikings first. And and, and the Lions are going to Lions, they're going to do what they do. But, man, it's, it's tough. If the Bears underachieve, then there could be a bloodletting. There could be a lot of changes here. All this to have Khalil Mack and Mitch Trubisky in place. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts. And the live stream from anywhere. 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 Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Ah, the White Sox <laughs> down five to one. They're about to lose this game against the Tigers. But where is the offense for this team? Even with some players out, they should have enough offense to be able to beat some of these teams. It just—it's not great. But once again, I will say what I said before the season started, and that is for the White Sox. As a diehard White Sox fan, I will tell you that I had no expectations of the Sox to do a ton uh, in 2020. My focus is 2021, 2022, and moving forward because this is not the season to be able to... You can evaluate some, but it's just 60 games if you get there. 
But ultimately, it's just really about next year. If you have a full complement of games next year and in 2022, now you're looking at something. It just, but right now, I, I just, uh, it's amazing how the offense is just not there for the White Sox. It's very disappointing. If they, so it's 5-1 in the ninth. If they yeah. end up with just scoring one in this game as well, that'll only be five runs in their last seven games. Can't win baseball like that. Fire Greg Walker. That's what I say. Ah, there we go. Blame it on the hitting coach. <laughs> just, just fire. Just call Greg Walker. And say you're fired again because it's the hitting <laughs> coach's problem. It's just that's just disappointing. You know, Giolito deserved better yesterday. He, he did. He did. He he like ground like grinded through that start and ended up having really good numbers. So like, you want to reward your pitcher when he's fighting for his good stuff and ends up giving you a number that you could put up to beat, and then they weren't able to do it. Uh, our guy, um, where's all cool blue Jay reached out on Twitter at tweet Jay hood. I'm starting to think I'm starting to agree with you on the Sox manager. How is Detroit playing better than us in regards to the record? You've been saying that we need a better manager. It's starting to show frustrated Sox fan. Well, there you go. It's tough. Cause say things don't go well for the Sox this season. They don't make the playoffs. Do you blame it on Renteria and you get a new coach for 2021? Or are you like, well, this season was what this season was? He's an A to B manager. I just, I wanted Girardi. That's what I wanted. <laughs> but he's with the Phillies now, so I'm not getting him. So just, yeah. I think, but you've heard me say this before, Eric. You've been saying it for three years now, really. When the Sox get good, there'll be a different manager yeah, in there. Yeah, you've been saying that for a while. And if things go off, even though he doesn't have a good rotation and doesn't have depth in arms, if they end up fourth in this division, there's going to be some conversations for sure. And there's Fred chiming in. Better managers don't make you hit or not swing at breaking balls. There he is, Fred, defending the managers as always, and they don't matter. Then why are they there? They've got to be able to set the tone. Anyway, thank you for listening and be part of the program here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Eric Ostrowski on the other side of the glass. We've got baseball tomorrow. Make sure you tune in at 9 o'clock to hear David Kaplan with a special announcement right here on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.